Alright everyone, welcome to Birdcast, the only podcast recorded inside a live Avery. I'm here today talking about a very, very interesting topic today. And the topic that we're going to be talking about is sort of keeping birds on a budget. Now, birds like most pets require food, water, shelter, things like that. But it doesn't really matter so much if you have a lot, sort of a steady income stream and a lot of money to sort of spend on your pets and such. But what happens when you have limited income and you can't spend as much on birds or other pets? Well, today we're going to talk about that. All right. Well, Tom, welcome to the Birdcast. Um, would you like to start by introducing yourself to all of our listeners? Uh, well, my name's Tom. Um, I'm a retired uh, through accident boilermaker welder by trade. I've been keeping birds for over 50 years, and I'm currently on a pension. Okay. Well, what sort of inspired you or encouraged you to sort of start keeping birds right from the get-go? Well, I think it goes back to grandparent days when grandparents on both sides had uh, poultry, show poultry, racing pigeons and the avery birds on both sides of various sorts. I think back in them days over here where I live, everyone had a galah or a white cocky in the backyard as a pet bird. So I just think it carried on from them days of being an outdoors, outdoor type stuff and um, inherited it through the family. Okay, that's cool. So, sort of, overall, over all of the years you've sort of kept birds um, in your backyard, what type of birds do you, have you had, and why do you particularly keep those ones? Over the years, I've uh, probably kept just about everything um, that I possibly could, from finches, uh, through to parrots, and cockatoos, and my main focus in the sort of interim part was native quails and pigeons, uh, more so gang gang cockatoos, and just about every finch you could possibly get back in the day, which a lot of them aren't around anymore. Okay. And sort of why did you more so steer to sort of keep those birds? Was it just because you had an interest in them or anything? Yeah, um, Spinifex pigeons and gangangs are probably my favourite. The native quail and that um, native Australian quail were intriguing. Um, the black-breasted painted redbacks, all that sort of stuff were very intriguing. There was a few more people keeping them back in the day so you could learn a bit about them. And I was just intrigued by the fact that you could keep them and learn about them and you could keep them in finch aviaries um, and you could also keep them in the bottom of the female aviaries if you manage them properly. Okay. And sort of describe to us sort of your backyard and your sort of setup of your aviaries and what it sort of looked like. Okay, well, um, initially the aviaries were planted Finch aviaries with some, with some uh, what you would call conventional roofed aviaries, um, three meters long by 
1200 void, I'm trying to convert back to, to, uh, to metric because I'm a inches and foot man. Um, with, with dirt floors and then uh, the Vince Avery's uh, still there but I moved on to 16 foot um, with whatever that is in metres by 4 foot larger Avery's for the larger birds of which I still kept quail and native pigeons in as well as some of the parrots and stuff and also built uh, got heavily into lorries at one stage, um, Australian and exotic lorries, so I built suspenders for them. Okay. And what sort of birds are you particularly keeping in your aviaries right now, currently? <laughs> particularly at the moment, I'm keeping most of the neophemas in pure normals and um, mutations, but I won't keep a mutation if I can't keep the pure normals of the of the species of neophemus. Um, medium macaws, uh, gangangs, um, quite a lot of finches, and uh, some uh, red vanner blue bonnets, king, Australian king parrots. Um, that's probably about it. Uh, what else is there? Oh, a few ringnecks. Okay. And sort of, why do you um, keep normal, normal near femurs? Because I believe if you don't keep normal of the species, true to type, with all the mutations that are coming out and about these days, I find that people have trouble, they buy birds, say for example, a scarlet chester parrot, they buy what's supposed to be pure normal scarlets, but unfortunately they're breeding um, a mutation colour in the nest so the birds are obviously split and uh, I think that we'll lose them if we we won't only lose them in agriculture we'll lose them in the wild eventually I believe uh, with the modern farming practices and development and deforestation so I believe that uh, we need to keep true true species um, as well as it's I have no problem with mutations but I think you should breed uh, true pure species as well. Okay, that's cool. Um, so you've sort of seen a lot of changes in sort of the way people have kept birds and sort of what birds people have kept. Do you think you could share with us some of the changes that you've personally sort of witnessed over your years of keeping birds? Well, one of the short answers I could probably give you is uh, steel and uh, steel for frames as compared to 50 years ago, we didn't have a lot of steel that was available. So a lot of Avery's were built out of wooden frame with wire. Um, I got to admit the quality of the wire mesh back then was better than the quality that seems to be around these days. Um, and the, the practice is going forward. Uh, um, so you built, now you can build Avery's out of square tubing, uh, wire mesh. Um, yeah, with dirt or concrete floors as a preference. Uh, a lot more people these days do wrap walls, which were, weren't encouraged back in the day. And um, as far as the actual keeping of the birds back then, a lot of the supplement uh, diets that are around today were never heard of. Um, it was dry seed 
and you went off on Avery tours and Avery visits if you belong to a, a bird group or a, a society or a bird club and you learn from other people about making up how they make their supplements out of, for example, crushing cuttlebone or something like that. But of course, um, it's completely changed now. You can buy liquid forms of calcium and that. Um, vitamin powders, pelleted diets, um, and they're all good. They're all good if you you, you just got to work out which one suits your birds and your requirements. Okay. And do you have the sort of ultimate bird that you would like to keep? And sort of why would you want to keep sort of that bird? Um, I don't know that I have an ultimate bird that I would like to keep. Uh, I think my ultimate birds I already keep, which is gangangs and spinifex pigeons. Um, ultimately, uh, before I had the accident and had to retire, and I ended up on a um, a, what what you would call a limited a, a, a limited income, as in pension supplemented with a bit of a superannuation money. Um, I probably aspired to have the bigger macaws and um, uh, wampoo pigeons. I would have thought I would have liked to have had the money to build a. A warm, a, a warm Avery in Victoria to be able to have a go at keeping them. Of course, their requirements are uh, climate would have to be a warm Avery in Victoria, that's for sure. But since uh, uh, retirement, um, I don't think I aspire any more to have any any of the birds that I would like to have years ago because. Um, uh, money restrictions to, to provide what the birds would need and I will not keep a bird that I can't provide properly for. Okay. Um, so sort of like any pet that you would sort of need to keep, there's obviously associated costs with it, like um, for obviously for your birds it would cost. Sort of how, how do you work around meeting this still like being able to provide for your birds and stuff on sort of more of a limited budget? Act. Um, when when I was working and um, and of course you had overtime if you wanted it and you know, occasionally and other ways of uh, uh, getting money uh, um, you could work a part time job after work if you wanted you could do lots of things and wages were coming in weekly and if you budgeted properly you were always able to stake some money away in the bank or under the mattress um, so when I finished work, the, the big shock to the system come about six or seven months, eight months afterwards where I had to rebudget. And uh, and because you have a limited income or a, a set income, um, you have to budget better, you have to budget tighter. So you have to work out when you're buying, your, say, for example, dry seat to suit your funds uh, availability because the funds aren't there every day of the week. You have to work out, like, for example, if you go to the um, birds, you know, like if you want to keep your birds properly, um, if you want, say, for example, Lebanese cucumber and you go to the shop at $9.99 a kilo, which it does get to where I live, and sometimes dearer, um, you just have to sometimes uh, forget about Lebanese cucumber that, for them few days or that weekend. And of course, use up the other products that you buy. You're always on the lookout for um, 
say, for example, cobs of corn cheap, uh, which can be picked up at the right time. Uh, I think I know just about where every wild walnut tree is in the Victorian high country. And um, so you, you sort of mark, I'll keep a book and I'm, I've marked in that book over time where they are so I can get up there and, um, and get the walnuts when they're ready for the birds. And uh, you just have to budget better and, and do things differently as in I grow a lot of stuff for the birds now. Um, for the finches, I grow a lot of grasses, guinea, uh, guinea grass and all that sort of stuff. Um, for the larger birds, I grow silver beet, endive, uh, Lebanese cucumbers um, and all the sort of stuff that I would use in the, uh, the soak seed veggie mix. Okay. Um, so do you have any sort of really top tips for anyone who's a, who's on limited funds? And that so people for people who that also keep birds. I, I think uh, someone uh, that there's a few tips I could give, and, and I'm struggling uh, to immediately recall them. But I think um, when you you sort of got limited funds, your best idea is to join a a bird club or an organisation uh, that has regular meetings, and obviously a magazine or a digital. Uh, digital meeting and um, like Zoom and stuff, mm-hmm. get to meet people, um, be friendly to the people, don't be rude, and get to know people. So when you're sourcing stock, you can probably get it a little bit cheaper at club prices than you can by just buying it um, uh, willy-nilly over some of the um, uh, bird advertising sites. Um and you may even be able to barter, um, say for example, if you had some finches that you bred a few of and you wanted a pair of some other finches, you know, you might be able through the bird club, which you don't do on the, on the sites. Um, you might be able to, someone at the bird club might say, I'm looking for a red-faced pair of finches and you might be able to say, well, I've got some, but I'm looking for a pair of something. So no money changes hand. And that's, that's a way to do it in this day and age when you're on limited funds. And, um, and you get to find out through the clubs and, and the membership organisations, you can buy your products cheaper usually through the, the clubs. Most of them will have a service desk or a service table. You, you could buy, you can buy your rings and your, um, if you're into vitamin supplements and liquid calcium and that, you usually can buy that a heck of a lot cheaper than you can buy it at most pet shops and stuff. Okay. Do you personally belong into any um, bird clubs? I am the... Um, yes, I do. I belong to a few. Um, and I've had to reduce a couple because of membership costs because I also, I'm also... Um, um, an outdoors person and I belong to a couple of organisations uh, uh, the VHH which is a hound uh, hunting organisation and um, and stuff like that so you work out, you have to prioritise your memberships of places I um, am a member of the Agricultural Society of Australia and um, I hold a position on the committee there and um, uh, Geelong branch of the Agricultural Society of Australia and a couple other places. Um, I, I used to be in the Queensland Finch Society, but um, for the fact, the only reason I stopped that membership was because 
I was no longer uh, prepared to um, be a member of somewhere where if I brought finches down, I, I could, the freight costs and that just got out of hand. So I'd, uh, I, you cut memberships, you regret it, but you have to do it. But I think there are digital platforms or social media platforms um, uh, allowing them sort of things for people like myself to still stay in touch all over the place. Have you used um, any sort of digital platforms to have any bird uh, meetings, sort of bird club meetings? Yes, um, apart from uh, watching your site, as regular as it comes up, um, I've been on Zoom meetings with the South Australian um, Bird Society, I think it's uh, it's South Australian Bird Club or something. I've seen some wonderful talks on that. Um, the Agricultural Society of Australia has had one or two. Um, I think there's another one in 10 days' time or something. Uh, and, um, yes, I have watched a few on Zoom. Um, I'm not a, I'm not aware or able to uh, get on any others other than Zoom, but, yes, I have watched a few, and, of course, you're one. Um, which isn't on Zoom, or it might be. I don't know what you call it, but it comes up and I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have you ever thought about not keeping any birds because of the costs associated with them and sort Um, of making... After after I had the accident, I um, had a bit of a spell there where um, the doctors said that uh, um, the accident that I had had rendered um, my right shoulder useless and... uh, they couldn't clear me to go back to work. Um, probably enough said about that. A few years later, I, uh, I just uh, two and a half years ago or so, I got cancer. So, yes, I did. Um, I did get rid of some birds. I got rid of the yellow-tailed and white-tailed black cockies um, and some other birds, and and I I regretted it from the day that I got rid of them. Um, had some large macaws and umbrellas and that, and I got rid of the, them. Um, I was in partnership with a person with them and I got rid of them. But I can't say I was happy about it, but I had to do it. I just couldn't afford to keep going on, no. Okay. And sort of what makes you sort of more so gravitate towards still keeping birds with all the sort of things that you've had happen to you? Is it just your love for them, that sort of? Um... It is a, it's a lifelong love of them, I and mean, I think they'll probably still be there the day I'm gone. And I hope, uh, you know, they go to good homes. I believe my sister, she's got a massive set up on the farm up where she lives, so I assume she'll take them. Um, but I guess I have to tell you, even when I was working um, before I retired, going out and doing the birds, you just, um, and I recommend this for anyone. Uh, you might be feeling pretty crappy or in a bad mood when you go out to do your, your birds, uh, waters, feeds, whatever you go out to do. But I tell you what, you soon forget your troubles while you're out there looking at them and admiring them and you seem to do your chores. And I don't know, it's just a peace of mind being out there. It's, it's a wonderful thing. You forget about all the world's problems. And sort of having witnessed so many changes to the sort of how to keep birds in the Australian backyards and the type of birds that have been kept. Sort of, what do you think the where sort of bird keeping is headed in the future? I, I think 
Um, the, I don't know about all of Australia, although I, I know people all over Australia and they tell me uh, suburbs are becoming the same as Victoria. I think the biggest problem for people keeping birds in the backyard are um, uh, the size of the backyards aren't big enough to swing a cat. And uh, and uh, digital kids these days, uh, up and coming young young kids and um, young adults, for that matter, can't seem to get their head out of their phones or their computers. And I think that's where the bird game is suffering um, into the future. And there could always be a place for keeping birds um, in a reduced. Um, way as compared to the size of my backyard um but i still think uh, and i do know people with small backyards who keep a mixed aviary of compatible birds and i think there there'll be a future there but in a lot different way than we're used to where you have um big big lots of aviaries in your backyard i don't think them i think them days are slowly passing but um, having said that, uh, there's nothing, you know, I've got as much time for the people who keep an aviary full of zebra finches as I have for the, me mates that have got higher sense macaws. So I, I don't differentiate bird people or bird people. And I think a small aviary in a backyard and with the way um, social media and digital stuff's going, people will be able to enjoy uh, meetings and that on social media and, and still converse um with other people for information and such uh, i think there's a future there but in a reduced capacity as far as numbers of birds kept in backyards okay and do you think that sort of bird clubs play a, a quite a large role in encouraging sort of the keeping as or keeping of birds as a hobby <laughs> i think bird clubs play um uh, all over um the country uh trying very hard to get people interested in birds and I imagine other hobbies are too and I think in the future bird clubs are through social media and places like um, this this podcast that you run I think they have a very important part to play in the future to promote the hobby and I believe that's where it'll be in the end um, people who are stuck inside with their head in a computer or on a on a mobile phone get interested in the social media side of it and hopefully they'll ask mum and dad to get them a bird aviary in the backyard which I'm, I'm sure will happen um, in time to come but I think uh, clubs and societies uh, play an important role at the moment always have and always will but I think their role will increase when we move away from meeting so meeting places uh, because people don't seem to be so keen to gather for a meeting and have a cup of tea and a chat and a guest speaker as they used to be. But I still think there's a big place for um, bird clubs and bird societies and that going forward. Well, thank you very much, Tom, for coming on to the um, Birdcast. It's been a very, very interesting talk that I've had with you today. Um, and I would like to I thank you for talking about your experiences that you've had. You're most welcome, and thank you very much for having me. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to BirdCast today. Now, I hope you enjoyed that quick little episode with Tom and talking about 
how you can keep birds in a bucket, as everyone has the right to keeping birds. Alright everyone, now remember, we have an Instagram, birdman underscore dad, and a YouTube channel, birdman dad. Alright everyone, we'll see ya, bye!